I just want to get on this real quick. The, the SaaS sales process is broken because nobody wants to be received on the receiving end of those damn SDR calls, right? I don't even answer my phone unless I know who it is, ever. And then I block everyone. If you're looking to up your startup marketing game, you're in the right place. This podcast will help you simplify, prioritize, and see big wins from your marketing efforts. Every week, you'll hear from some of the world's best venture-backed startup founders, marketing leaders, and startup experts about marketing, brand, growth, what's working well, challenges, and how crazy and fun marketing can be when you're at a high-growth startup. See ya inside. I have Kate Bradley Chernis here. Kate is the founder and CEO of Lately, and she's actually a former marketing agency owner. She initially created this idea for Lately out of an experience that she had creating spreadsheets for her then client, Walmart, and was able to make a pretty big impact with just doing that. She got them 130 percent ROI year over year for three years straight. So that's pretty cool. A little bit more about Lately. Lately was founded in 2014, has 17 people and is based out of New York and they are seed funded. 3.23 million is the total. To give a quick blurb about Lately, Lately uses artificial intelligence. So what does my audience want to hear? to turn things like blogs and videos and podcasts and more into dozens of social media posts, um, which is actually very relevant today. I know I create long form content and then I try to figure out ways to make it go further, right? So that my long form content lasts longer. So very relevant for, for as a topic today. And customers for lately include SAP, Viner Media, DHL, PwC, and more. And I found it really interesting that Gary V is actually also an advisor for the company. So welcome, Kate. Thanks. It's all true. <laughs> Great to see. I found that really fascinating, and uh, you know, I'm I'm almost not surprised. Right? It, it totally makes sense for him to want to be an advisor, to have the experience. It's very relevant to what he's up to with content marketing and and in using AI, right, is definitely, uh, it, it all makes sense. So let's jump in. You have had a fascinating career. So prior to Lately and prior to the marketing agency, you served 20 million listeners as a music director and on-air host at Sirius XM. Um, tell me more. That is so intriguing. Tell me more about that experience. Like, what did you love about it? And what did you hate about it? Well, what I loved about it um, was the theater of the mind, right? So radio was a bit of a lost art. And most of, you know, a lot of people who are listening probably won't won't know this, but like it used to be live, number one. The DJs would actually program or pick the music themselves and things like segues, how the songs meet up, were like this really thought out process. So I was really lucky to, to, to be brought up in radio where that was still the case. And it's the only radio I worked in. So very lucky. It's pretty much gone now. 
Um, but the theater of the mind is the participation of the audience through your imagination to fill in the blanks. So it happens with reading as well. That's why reading is so powerful. But there's a two-way street there. It's not just me that holds the mic, right? But it's my job, if I'm doing it well, as is with yours here as the host of this podcast, to make the viewers or the listeners, in my case, feel as though that they have a voice, right? So that part is fascinating to me. I was a fiction writing major, actually, Anna, before that, growing up in, in college. And similarly, reading is the same way, and I'll just break it down a little bit. So the neuroscience of music tells us that when you listen to a new song, your brain must instantly access every other song you've ever heard before in that moment. So just think about all the nostalgia and memory that comes forth, because your brain is trying to find the familiar touch points in the new song, so it knows where to index it in the library of your memory banks in your brain. Now, when you read text, you hear the voice of the person who wrote the text. So it's the same idea. It's my job as a marketing writer or a social salesperson on LinkedIn to make you hear my voice and to give you those familiar touch points so you trust me and eventually want to buy something from me, right? So that's the stuff I love, <laughs> clearly. How do you do that? How do you help someone when you're writing something out, especially in marketing, how do you help them hear your voice? Yeah, the easiest way is to read what you wrote out loud. So West Elm sent me this in the snail mail and it says, this certificate is issued for reward purposes and is a duplicate of the certificate you received by email. Do you guys know what they said? What they're saying is, hey, ding dong, we sent you an emailed copy of the same coupon. You can't use both. That's what they're saying right? You can hear me reward purposes, duplicate of their certificate. You can hear how unnatural that feels for me to say. And when it feels awkward, when you're listening to me, you can tell it's not natural for me. And so it sounds fake. So I sound like a spammer reading a script because I was, <laughs> right? So that's an easy way. Um, another way for me is like I, I play heavily on onomatopoeia. So the sound of words, right? This is a theme in my life. So I'll write in real life, I swear, like a sailor, and I don't really do that online too much, but I have to supplement my excitement or dismay. And so I'll say stuff like, holy hot picker pal jalapenos or banana balls or some kind of weird thing. I, I use a lot of Zs, <laughs> capital letters, ellipses, emojis, right? There's all these ways to communicate the persona of your voice. The hard part, Anna, and, and I'm sure the folks listening will agree, is a lot of people don't really think they have a voice. They think themselves as boring. They bury the lead, they bury the interesting part because that's what you're taught in school. When you wrote a paper, they told you to save the best for the end, right? <laughs> so that's why I like, I mean, I have a million tricks because I give a workshop on, on copywriting, but one of the best ones is vomit and then edit, right? So get it out on the page. It should be four to one. So it's four, edit, one. That's the ratio, one vomit. Vomit and then spend all your time editing to make sure that voice is real clear. Right. That's fascinating. And thank you for um, talking through like how you think about it. Also, I will put the link to the Lately website because I love how the personality comes through. Who worked on that? Was that you? Yep. Yeah, it's so fun to read. And it's one of the ways you differentiate yourself from other players in the space. You stand out. It's fun. There's a personality there. It's not boring at all. So I encourage listeners to visit the page and check it out because I think that people don't realize that almost anything goes as long as it makes sense for your target audience, right? 
there is something to be said of like, well, it's your personality, but what do you think, Kate? Like how much of your personality is okay to kind of show, but how much of it like needs to be written for your target audience? Well, it's a combination, right? I mean, so most people attract who they are, right? And so that's why the CEO of every company is so important. And that's why like even large companies spend a lot of money when they're recruiting that person. So, and that is not only external, right? That's also internal, like all that personality quote trickles down, but that's really corporate culture. So, you know, if you pick a CEO who's a stiff, it is what it is, <laughs> you know? I think it's really, you can see that like, um, oh, I really want to say a name, but I'm not going to, but there's some CMOs at very famous companies, some of whom are, are my customers actually, who I'm kind of amazed about they wield, especially women, they wield this incredible microphone to the world. And they have this opportunity to show us all how it's done. And they're so plastic and vapid. And you can see right through it, right? And it's because either they don't care, they don't understand the power of it, or they're scared. You know, people are so scared to be themselves. And you can see, Anna, like, it doesn't matter how Kentucky Fried Chicken, there's a million large companies that take risks with voice and the payoff is huge, right? Because Brian Kramer says this, my friend, it's H2H. There's no more B2B or B2C. It's all human to human, right? Now, your point is that's harder to translate in the enterprise land. It is for sure. But in startup land, it's the duh, right? It's the no-brainer. It's the one thing that you have that no one else has and that most startups think of it as an afterthought. And it's actually the most, we're talking about marketing here, marketing, messaging, and communication and persona, But think about this. Marketing is the most valuable asset of any company because it's the one aspect that bleeds across accounting, HR, product, engineering, sales, communications, marketing, everywhere, right? And when an entire company is on message, when you're communicating that externally, it's almost effortless, right? And that's why my little company, so so let's put this in a number so people can and understand this. So we only use, we'll talk about what Lately does, but not as a commercial, but in a second. But we only use Lately to market Lately. We don't do any paid ads, no cold calls and no cold emails. So organic only. And we have a 98% sales conversion. Let me say that again, 98% sales conversion. And it's because we live and die by marketing. Marketing is everything we do. Marketing is sales, right? It is, it is lead gen. The message I'm talking to you about, that personality that you read on my website is obviously who I am. You can see that here, right? And it's who my teammates are, right? I've, I've taught them. I've built rules. They're called Kately's writing rules. My team calls me Kately from lately. There's 26 rules. I taught my staff those rules internally. I taught my social media writers those rules so they use it on our brand. Our AI learns from my rules first and gives them to you, the customer, as best practices under in the baseline, right? And by the way, those rules are all based on that neuroscience of music idea we talked about in the beginning, right? See, it's all tied together. Oh my gosh. Yes, because it ties back to like what your brain is doing, right? Mm -hmm. Nostalgia is everything. Familiar touch points, right? So this is why I'm a child of the 80s, Pac-Man, right? (laughs) That's there for a reason, you know? And it's why the weather, how's the weather is the most beautiful, wonderful question anyone can ask anyone because everyone has an answer and everyone has an emotional response to it and everyone can relate to it. That's why we ask, right? We talked. We just talked about it. We just talked about it. Yeah, we did. 
right? <laughs> First thing we said. You said, I'm really hot. And I said, how's the weather over there? And you said, it's hot. <laughs> it's hot. And then we talked about where we were and I knew where you were. So we had a deep, we even had a deeper conversation. We talked about the town you're in. I have relatives there, right? So see, like, that's all, all this is about finding those familiar touch points. And then in our case, moving you into a demo. <laughs> that's my KPI, right? That's where I have the 98% sales conversion. Um, so if you were a target, then I'd be asking you some more qualification questions along the way. You know, it's funny because there's lots of software and lately is great software and there's all kinds of marketing and sales software. But the hard way is the way, Anna, right? The hard way is this way. You're saying the hard way. And by that, do you mean organic marketing? Yeah, the human way, the way like it informs our AI, right? So for us, AI and humans, it's work together, not because it's a nice thing to say, like literally the science behind our AI relies on humans <laughs> to evolve it, you know, but the difference is humans on their own is the very hard, hard way to do everything. AI on its own is the cold way to do things, right? But together, that's when you get the one plus one equals three, the aha, the Gary V, right? Makes sense to me. Yeah, I love that. Because AI is not here to take over. Like you still need humans to make the strategic decisions and to actually make decisions, right? The AI is doing stuff that we as humans just can't. And the spark, that indescribable visceral thing that the whole world just missed for a whole year, you know? <laughs> yeah, we got around it with Zoom and a million other things, but like the hug is the hug, you know? The handshake. I miss shaking hands. I do. Yeah, I hear you on that. Let's talk about Lately a little bit more. Like the company started, you founded it in 2014. What did your marketing efforts look like in those early days? Well, we knew from the beginning how powerful marketing is, but, uh, and I'll just put a finer point on that. There's plenty of products that are crap that we all know about because the marketing is so good. Okay. So the best product doesn't win. It just doesn't, right? There's a lot of other factors. Marketing is a huge one. And because it can come in so many ways, it can come in the form of the CEO, <laughs> right? Of course, um, or the spin or, or whatever it is. But so we started building that audience right away. I mean, I had 20 million listeners. I had a fan base of musicians and AR reps, you know, which are not marketing purchasers, software purchasers, really, by the way, because they don't have any money, which I know. But you still want to start with what you have and leverage that because you're just trying to make some noise. And so, it, and it takes a very long time to build out an audience. This is a huge mistake that most entrepreneurs make, which is they're like, they think if you build it, they will come, which is not true. It's never, ever true. It's a huge farce, myth. Stop thinking that. Like, they have no idea. You have no one to tell, right? You're having a sale and nobody, you don't have anyone on your social following. You don't just like announce I have a sale and suddenly thousands of people or even 10 people are going to know about it, right? You have to have the audience first. So... We knew that we spent a lot of time building up all, you know, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, everywhere. Also, because I'm the brand, right? I'm, I, I'm making the magazine and I am on the cover of the magazine. And I knew to leverage that because that's my skill, radio, right? I, I remember telling my aunt 10 years ago, I was consulting when I owned my marketing agency. And I used to get such bad, nervous stage fright because I like to be behind the mic when you can't see me. But I had to be, I was doing a keynote speak and it was so stressful to me. And I remember telling her, I'm never doing public speaking again. 
and here I am. I do one of these a day, you know, <laughs> it's a different thing, but like I had to morph into it. And so you have to leverage, there's nothing more kind of a bummer when you meet a CEO who has zero personality because they're not going anywhere. I mean, you can try to hire a, get a co-founder to help you out, but when has it ever worked? Never. Right. Even like the biggest nerd we know is Steve Jobs and like he had a ton of personality, you know, I think everybody has personality. It's just a matter of bringing it out. And some CEOs, and I think that this isn't the way to, to do it, but that they don't want to be the face of the company. Right. So then you but you got to find a face of the company. And it's just like for my own business, I'm the face of the company because I'm a very small company. <laughs> but that's actually one of the big things that I am focusing on is. I need to build my brand just like a, any other company. And so I agree with you. So, But what happens? You had 20 million listeners when you started uh, working on this company. What do you recommend for folks that don't have that? Because your background is very unique where you had that audience before. Well, I had the wherewithal to take what I knew, find metaphorical ways to transform the knowledge I had into this, right? So that's, thank God. You know, like it seems like a zigzag, but I, cause I was a line cook for years as well. But guess what? Like that's the same lawless thing. That beat me up a lot. I got, I, same thing with venture capitalists. I get punched in the face every day and it's a total boys club. But like also like radio, there's this pressure in the kitchen to get everything up at the same time, all looking beautiful and delivered properly, right? Tasting, same idea, tasting on those notes that you have, those familiar notes, right? So I learned to see these common threads and then to think, how can I use the good parts, you know, here? One thing, this is just an emotional thing, but like when I was at, you asked me what I didn't like, and I'll tell you, when I was at XM and all through radio, I was sexually harassed. Of course, that's just the way it is. I participated in it. It was part of the work culture. Think that, right? But what was unusual there was I experienced a hostile work environment as a result for, of it. And we didn't have these terms. I didn't know that's what it was. I just knew that, like, every time I did something good, I got all over, right? And it felt bad. I was going to work with panic attacks constantly every day. And then I had all these injuries. I fell down the stairs. I was on crutches for, like, a year and a half. I had this rash in my torso for months. Nobody can explain. And then, um, and then I wasn't able to use my hands anymore. I was fully incapacitated and I couldn't type or touch a phone or a computer without extreme excruciating pain. Why did that happen? Why did all of these physical things happen? Is it stress? Yeah, my gut was trying to say to me, get out. This is not working for you, right? And I wasn't listening, Anna, you know? And this is the thing, lots of entrepreneurs suffer from this, right? The best thing, I'm sure you've experienced it, I hope you have, is when you fire a customer. It's the best. Someone who's giving you a ton and ton of stress, and you wake up the next day and you say those words. Those are the most other beautiful words. This isn't working. Because when you say that, you give yourself permission to take action on upon it, right? And so that's the thing that I learned. I learned it the very hard way to, number one, listen to my gut because it's right. It always knows. It always does. But also, you know, as a leader now, how do I make sure I don't make my employees feel that way, right? What was it about working that, that I did love that I could translate and what, what did I hate that I never want to do again? And sometimes I'm guilty of doing, you know, like when you're the leader and you're having a bad day, it's hard not to share it. <laughs> you know, and sometimes I do on purpose and sometimes I do by accident. And sometimes, you know, 
I feel guilty about it, but one good choice that I made, because I remember there specifically, and I'd worked at IBM before, but all of that, all of those tiers of hierarchies and all these things, they couldn't touch certain people and all this shit. Like, it takes the fun out of it. It was the fun killer, right? I worked at XM, rock and roll. It's, I had the best job, one of the best jobs there was to have, and I hated it. How can that possibly be, right? And so my company, we're pretty flat, Anna. We have a pretty flat organization. I empower people to um, really run on their own. I, I'm a wild horse. This is what I learned, right? So I looked back and I could see the lawlessness of the kitchen, the lawlessness of radio, <laughs> the lawlessness of a fiction writer. All you do is break rules in poetry and fiction, right? That's part of the fun of it. Okay, so let's, let's embrace this. Can I create a company where breaking rules is actually the rule? you know, and I believe I have. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. That's a great mission. And you can do it your own way now, right? Also, you're not the first person I've heard. Like, you think that somebody works at a really cool brand, but then what's going on in the inside is sometimes horrible. And um, you just never know, right, what's happening. So thanks for sharing that. I, I appreciate that. I think that it will definitely strike a chord with the listeners, um, people that have had experiences or know someone that have had experiences like that. Yeah. I mean, like, just the last thing there is, like, I don't have an HR department, and I hope I never do because I hate those. <laughs> I've never, sorry, HR people, I've never met an HR department, and some people, but, like, who actually helped the people they worked with, you know, because... They just got lost in the system as well. And we're off track a little bit, but all of this matters, Anna, right? So like I've asked my employees multiple times not to take paychecks. That is really hard and embarrassing and the most stressful thing that I ever have to do. And they will only say yes and repeatedly say yes if I make sure they love where they work. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of the the name of the game with startups, right? And so it's all about the vision for the company and the trust you have in the leader. So so that that all makes sense. Let's talk a little bit more about, so early stage, you talked about the fact that you had an audience, right? So you had some leverage there. You weren't just building something and then expecting people to come, right? You had folks to talk to. You're building up Facebook, you're building up Twitter, You're building this. And again, you mentioned everything is organic marketing for you, right? So who's on the marketing team? Can you talk about what what that looks like right now? And then we'll get in, we'll dive into more of like what's actually working well for you on the marketing side now. Sure. I did this manually for Walmart. (laughs) So I'll describe it. But but what we do first is so quickly, you connect your social accounts to Lately. Lately, instantly analyzes everything you've posted for the last year and it keeps analyzing every day so it's always up to date and it's looking for the highest engaging posts and it breaks those posts down by the keywords phrases and sentence structures and it builds a writing model based on what it already knows is getting you those high engagements right the stuff your people want to read watch or hear and then you have to feed the brain some content so you give it uh any form of text like a blog or a newsletter or, or a web page or a book chapters doesn't matter you can give it video like this as well or even audio and lately's going to transcribe the video into text break down the text look for those keywords phrases and sentence structures and those are going to work for you find the best quotes add the video clips of you saying the best quotes 
and give you like 40, 50, 100 social posts in a few seconds, right? This is what I used to do by hand. And so so I'm going to ask you for this file after this, right? Because I don't care if you have 20 listeners or 2,000 listeners. This is content for me. I'm going to break it up and do the same thing. My staff who does that, the person who pushes the button, is going to look at what the AI spits out. And it's the human part has to set some context, right? Because humans don't naturally say one-liners all the time. I do because I was trained for it <laughs> for a dozen years. But there's ohms and ahs and likes and so's and whatever. Or you might just need a couple words because it's a reference to earlier in the conversation. So the human adds the context. Alex does this for me. And then once Alex has maybe 40 or 50, Katie then schedules them out over time. Drew lately, you can bulk schedule so she can be like, okay, run one of these every week on Twitter for the next 40 weeks. So we've got your quality and then we have your quantity, just like in radio. Remember, we used to play you the same song 300 times, hoping you would hear it once in one week, right? That's part of the deal. You do have to have the quantity, but because there's all the variation from lately, you don't get the spam. And then what we do is we watch. So anybody, and I got this from Gary V too, anybody who's liking and sharing and commenting on our content, our branded content, which by the way, we publish on the Lately channels, but also all my employee channels, because we're all in it together. We're bigger together, right? The more, the more the merrier, the more the stronger. So that's a lot of social posts power going out there. And anybody who's liking, commenting, and sharing, Katie watches them, and then she engages them, just like I did with you. How's the weather? You know, whatever the, whatever she wants to do. She starts the conversation. We look if it's a, this person is qualified. We have some key things that we know if they're going to be a buyer or not. And then we move them into the DM and then into the demo. We almost never have to ask for the demo. People ask for it on their own, which is great. But that's how we get that 98% sales conversion is because they're already warm, right? There's no... There's no more cold. It's the not sell, sell, right? And the product does sell itself. I mean, because people do go, holy jalapeno popcorn peppers. peppers. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> this is amazing because what you just said right here, what you're doing is, it's not new, right? Like this is something that people all strive to do, but it's hard when you have to do it yourself manually, right? But what you're doing is very much based on the human experience of sharing content. People like it. Then you reach out to them, right? Then you talk to them over direct message. Then you get a demo. Like that's the sales process right there. But what you're doing is you're taking it into the digital world and you're making it easier to create that content, like the quantity, right? To share it. So this is super cool. Thanks. Yeah, And that's the point, right? It's like humans are good at the pull. Robots are good at the push, right? So that's the job of the robot. And it learns, like the magic is, by the way, the more you give lately, the smarter the voice gets, right? So that's why Gary gets a 12,000% increased engagement. Our regular customers, sorry for the commercial, get an average of 180 to 240% increased engagement because Gary has a lot of content to feed the brain, <laughs> of course. But, you, but what you said is like, the hard way is the way. Let's get back to that, right? So the AI is doing a good chunk of the work for you, but then humans intervene and humans have to use their brains and their guts to like, for us, because we're a startup, we're still learning. Our, you know, ICP is just the most annoying thing to me ever. Like we serve customers across almost every industry, small, medium, and large. We do. No investor ever wants to hear that, but we do. And we have for seven years. And that's the same people I built that spreadsheet for Walmart for. 
right? It wasn't only Walmart. It was Walmart and 20,000 other companies across the nation, small, medium, and large. And I learned the same thing. They all have the same problems in marketing writing. They hate writing. And I just want to tell startup people this because I hate being put in this box with the investment community, which is uh, they're wrong. (laughs) I can and I do market to small, medium, large companies and agencies the exact same way. And I get them all into a demo, which I know isn't scalable. But if you're small, you become my evangelist. And on average, our customers tell between six and 12 other people about lately, right? So I'm building a flywheel here. I'm going to delight you with the product or I'm going to delight you with my charm or my Chris or Lauren or Ankit or Andy or Alex are going to, one of those guys, one of my guys and girls are going to delight you, you know? It's broken, Anna. Sorry. Real, I just want to get on this real quick. The, the SaaS sales process is broken because nobody wants to be receiving on the receiving end of those damn SDR calls, right? I don't even answer my phone unless I know who it is ever. And then I block everyone. Hey, I hear you. I come from that world. The thing is, though, I, I never really felt like it was the human way to get people to see the value in your company and your product and how to solve their problem. I never felt like that was the the way is to like pound the phones, pound the emails, do cold outreach, and then have marketing become part of that, right? Sharing materials. Not, it just felt so, this to me, what you're building feels more in line with the H to H format with like where we are today in the digital world, right? Yeah, it is really hard because there is so much human element required and I'm learning what's scalable and what's not. But I'm so stubborn, Anna, (laughs) that I know I'm going to reinvent this system and, you know, exactly how remains to be seen. But I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to obviously to stake my name on it (laughs) um, and my company. And this is exciting to me, like when I want to cry and collapse, which is every day, honestly, especially lately, pun intended. (laughs) This is the thing that keeps me getting back up because there's, I love problem solving. This is a puzzle. And I know the answers are already right in front of me. I just have to figure out how to assemble them. Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about lately. And you recently hit 1 million in ARR Um, And maybe as part of that, let's talk about like, how did you get there? What's working really well for you in terms of marketing channels? Let's talk about what you're doing now. And maybe like, is there a difference from what you were doing early stage? What are you doing more of now? All right. So what we did well last year was there was a combination of things. The first was we released the video clips feature. We only did text uh, and audio previously. So that was a huge win because video is hot and people could see more applications for it, like a conference, for example, butts and seats is, you know, not even worth it. But like after the fact, marketing is in parallel with how we digest everything else. We don't digest TV live or radio live, you know, right? So like, why do we market to people? Like has to be there at this moment. It's just idiotic. COVID was also in our favor because there was a mindset shift. People were open to trying new things. We, as a company, already work from home. We've never had an office. We were always in accelerators and there was an office available to us. You know, one or two people went. But, like, I've been saying that for years. Like, time wasted on commuting and everything. You know, I just work from home. I have to work from home because I have a partial permanent disability. I can't type at all. I have to talk to my computer. 
it hears everything around me. I have to have a closed door, a quiet room, you know. And plus, when I'm on a plane, I can't type. I don't get any work done. It's like this giant commute waste of time for me. So that was in our favor. You know, prior to that, I hadn't raised for two years, and 95% of the people on my team hadn't been paid. So everyone was like, whatever, we're still not getting paid. (laughs) This is not news to us, you know, COVID times. And then the social proof was big. So starting in February of last year, not a single day has passed where some person that we either know or don't know doesn't write about us somewhere on social and say, holy, have you seen this or something wonderful? And the other thing that happened was every customer we've ever met since last year has said, I've heard about you from somewhere, which is obviously huge. Now, I'm just a little teeny engine and I'm making, making noise here and with no... That 3.23 million, by the way, started people, that's been a drip feed for seven years. So, like, I haven't raised, you know, more than, I've done 750, 250, 750, 500. That's been it, right? Imagine if I had three, five million dollars. So, all those things happen at once. Gary V was in that mix, too. He created an entire Twitter channel fueled 100% by Lately. Again, what happened there was instead of describing to you what Lately does, which we are terrible at, we get, we get better at it all the time. Everyone in Startup Land is probably blushing now because they know <laughs> this, <laughs> the shoemaker has no shoes, right? But I didn't have to tell people anymore. I could just show them that Twitter page, right? So that was pretty easy to see. Like, oh, it does this, right? What's the Twitter channel that he created so that I could share that with people? Thanks. It's at Gary VTV. So G-A-R-Y-V-E-E-T-V. The irony is Gary doesn't need us and will probably churn, to be honest with you, because like he has an army of people. The point with Gary is to figure out a partnership with VaynerMedia and to do other things, right? Not take his 350 a month. I don't care about that. <laughs> but, well, I fucked it up also because like we hit the million and then we didn't. Then I uncovered, I uncovered an accounting area which dropped us about a quarter shy, we're almost back again, which is great. But a combination of things happened at once in the last six months, I'd say, which is we purposely broke a bunch of stuff because we're crossing the chasm and we're going up market. And I'm trying to figure out how do I take what I know has worked for us for smaller businesses and use it in enterprise, right? And I've been working on this for almost a year and a half. We started this particular process a year and a half ago. And then it all came to head, all the stuff I've been preparing, and I had to just go with it. So I broke that on purpose because I'm trying to see how things will work and fix, and I'm testing. But then other things broke all at once, not on purpose. And, you know, it's been hard. I'm just going to be real. Like, my head of growth had a baby, which is wonderful. (laughs) But she was gone for a few months. You know, that's hard. (laughs) We were growing so quickly, and so I had to hire people on my own and train them. And I'm not good at that, Anna. You know, I'm not. I'm a kind of a jerk. I know this. Like, I buffer myself with other people. My person wasn't there, right? So these poor, lovely people had to have me train them, and they're still here, thank God. And you're like, what do you mean you still don't understand how this tool works? Yeah, exactly. You What's know, wrong why with can't you? you read my mind? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> why haven't they invented that? You know, that impatience and all the things. And then, you know, a lot of us were suddenly, I've, I don't know if you got on this, but like all the hope of spring and summer and the vaccines is wonderful. For, for me personally, all the stress of COVID that I've been dealing with for the last year, I had put it over here on this shelf because I had other things to deal with, you know, frankly. And suddenly my body's like, okay, now we can now <laughs> acknowledge this stuff. 
And I feel like it was happening for my team as well. So suddenly I had all these people with like some real, very serious and real mental stuff going on, you know? And we needed to look around and it's been really hard because like the financing of the company just shifted from where we thought it was. And also everybody's personal mental state was you know, not great. And, you know, money always puts a stress on that. And we're making all these changes. So there's a lot of chaos. And I'm in a tough place personally. Like I'm just trying to, I'm looking at everything. I had like a small epiphany the other day and I thought, okay, well, what, what are my strengths? And the biggest one is writing. And do I write for the company? No, I don't. It's rare. So, all right, I probably need to start using this. I mean, we have 20,000, little maybe 24,000 email addresses that we basically do nothing with. You know, what is wrong with me? <laughs> because the hard way is the way. I've given these 24,000 email addresses to every salesperson that's ever come in my way to do something with, and no one really ever does. So I just thought about it this weekend, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write those emails. What do you think you're going to write about? Well, the hard way is the way. So you look at each one, and I can get my intern to like find me the LinkedIn's. I can quickly qualify who's who and what's what. But it's me. I need to take the time to be like, oh, yeah, that was so-and-so. He works with so-and-so at AB Bev. Here's why they should use us, because really only I have this knowledge. And I need to write an email that says nothing. <laughs> How's the weather, right? First, that's the first thing. Like, what up, Jim Bob? Remember me? <laughs> you know, and then say something innocuous. Dude, I saw that your daughter got married. That's amazing. What was it like? You know, were you guys up with a hug? I don't know, just some kind of innocuous thing. Get the conversation going. And then I'm going to show my team the examples because they don't know still. And it's hard because they're incredibly smart, resourceful, intelligent people who want to win. They want to fucking win, right? You can't teach this stuff, Anna. You can't. You can kind of allude to it or whatever, but like... First of all, because it's so hard, nobody wants to do it as bad as you, the CEO, right? Because potentially people just give up and are like, ugh, just write it, just blast everybody all at once. <laughs> I understand that. I work with people too. I know that, you know? But I mean, I also built a sales company off the ground for, for a, a music magazine. And like, I learned that guy had like 10,000 buyers. We emailed them a few times, nothing responded. And so then I just like emailed them every day until I got the money right? It's so stupid, but like, this is what you do. Anyways, so what I need to do is to find the, this sounds so boring, and I hope you guys don't mind me talking about this, but like, I'm going to experiment and see what works, and then I can show other people. That makes sense. I like that you're bringing it back to, like, I kind of have to do it myself, and this is what happens in startups. Sometimes the CEO has to take the reins, like something's not working. I'm going to do it myself, and I'm going to test, I'm going to experiment, and then I'll figure some stuff out and then share it with my team. In early stage, like, that's some of the stuff that's happening. You can't just expect to, like, bring somebody on and figure it all, like, everything out for you. And it sounds like you know where there's a gap, right? You know that you have these emails, tons of them, and nobody's really cracked the nut yet on what to say to these people, right? So you mentioned when we first started talking about marketing, what you're focused on, right? You're still focused on organic. You're still focused on the fact that people, since February 2020, someone's always writing about you because they clearly 
find what you're doing fascinating, have used the tool and really love it. So user-generated content seems to be a big winner for lately. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, I really need to say, because you asked about the how earlier, leveraging the other things we know are interesting. So either the content around lately, AI, rock and roll DJ, female entrepreneurship, underdogs, like all of these topics are hot topics and not all of them relate to marketing software (laughs) necessarily, but you can pull them in so that they do. You know what I mean, Anna? No, tell me more. Like topics that don't have to do with your software. Like how do you think about that? How do you think about connecting that to your buyer? Yeah, so female entrepreneurship is an easy one. I've got a lot of stories to tell. (laughs) Some of them are wild and most of them are shocking. And they're interesting is the best part. It is very interesting. And not just for women, for underdogs at, at large, right? And because we know, thank you, me too. I mean, this is hot. It still is a hot topic. I've learned to talk about this on on podcasts like this, you know, because when I'm going to break down the social posts, <laughs> I'm going to use this topic a few times, even though we've talked about a million other things here, right? Because it's one of those hot points. This is something so interesting that my friend um, David Allison from Value Graphics taught me and, and my team and our customers. He's one of our customers. So... There's 56 values in the world that actually trigger action of buyers, of humans. And he's a consultant to the United Nations, not the model UN. That's what I went to in high school, the real United Nations. And so the idea is that demographics really aren't that useful anymore because values cut across demographics, right? Now, the interesting thing about this is that customers who might fit the same demographics that we've all been marketing to forever, this is why the ICP is broken, actually can get lit up by different values. So one great thing about lately, and then this idea we're talking about now, is that because I'm giving you 40 social posts, each keyed into a different value, it's not the same thing, right? It's not female entrepreneur lifts others up. It might also be sexual harassment in radio is alive and well. It might also be humans put the sparkle on AI to give Gary Vee a 12,000% increase in engagement, right? So all these different values because people respond to them all, you know? So that's the other thing is like, if you're as a leader, as an entrepreneur, whoever you are, look at the things that you have a leg in, even stuff outside of work. Like I'm constantly telling my husband is in sales and he is a lap steel player. He's a rock and roll guy. He was managed by Cheap Trick. He toured the world. He was my favorite band at XM. They were our top record of the year. He doesn't tell anybody that. But when they find out, they freak out. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, you have to share this. It's so exciting and interesting. And you have to, like Lauren, my head of growth, as a master tie-dye expert, okay? that people pay millions at West Elm for this stuff now. And she does it. This is what she does in her spare time when she's not having a baby. That's so cool, right? It's interesting. Like, so this is the stuff we were talking about before. How's the damn weather? Like, (laughs) my whole life wasn't about building AI software. This is an example in life. I was a soccer player and I played goal because I smoked and I want to run, you know. But I was a keeper and I was MVP. Right. And that's interesting. And here's how it relates to what I'm doing now, because the goalkeeper sees the field and is the one that has the full vision of the field and is also the one that gets to yell at everybody 
But then it's your job. If you're not yelling, you're not doing a good job because you have this vision, right? You're in control, which I love. Look at that. Hmm, CEO, bossy, bossy, right? Now, the other thing that's cool about being in goal is the closer you are to the goal, the more, the closer you are to the thing you're protecting, the easier it is for them to pelt the ball in. You actually want to stand way out because there's that perspective of distance there that actually makes it look smaller. That's why they do that, right? And you you have your full bags, you have your people who are helping you my favorite thing, Anna, was not jumping and diving across or high. I'm actually bad at jumping up high, but I'm really good at no fear. Ball's coming at me. I'll dive right into the ground. I don't care if you're going to kick me in the face, right? This is what I do. That's what I did. And I was the most valuable player because, like, it was so obvious to me, cover that person. You're, I mean, I get it that you're tired, but I smoke over here, and I got wheels faster than you, and I'm all over this person. I'm happy to kick them in the shins. I don't care, you know? Right? So, like... <laughs> I can see how this relates to what I'm doing now. And if you can tie that story back, like if that's part of your content marketing and it's outside of work, right? But it still relates to you as a person, you as a leader, part of this company, then that's a story that is worth telling. Yeah. And like, I should have, I've done this in the past, but I forgot like, well, I could probably work on it now, but like, you know, soccer is, it's soccer season now, football season now. Like, so I should write a blog about this (laughs) and use it. But, you know, I'm working on it. (laughs) Totally. That's one thing that I've also been trying to work on is storytelling. Storytelling is marketing. Marketing is storytelling. And I fully believe that. But one of the things that I find hard is being open about, you know, things that are more personal, right? Like how much do you put out there about your past, about your experiences and being more of a personal, like somebody that is fine talking about work. But sometimes people relate more to stuff that's outside of work, just about you as a person, right? And so I am going to create this thing that I'm calling Storytime Fridays. And on LinkedIn, every Friday, I'm going to make it a thing. Like I'll post about something that's more of a story that is not just like related to like a podcast guest that I had on or related to some of the content marketing that I'm helping clients with or, right? It's just a story and then tying it back to hopefully entrepreneurship, startups, marketing as much as I can. But this is great. I'm a big believer in like the power of story and working on that muscle is one of the most important things I think that marketers should be able to do. Yeah, it is. And it, it's hard to teach. It really is. It ha- it's something that is with your in your gut. But when other people see it, they can mimic it, right? And I'm, I thank God every day that this is my gift. <laughs> and it's amazing to me that when, when people can't see the common thread, you know, or they don't have that natural gut instinct to know. Like I walked into, a friend had me go, his brother sells chocolate. He asked me to walk into the chocolate store and tell him what I thought of the business in general, you know? So I walked in, it was Christmas time. I walked into the chocolate store and at the front of the desk was just the cash register and there was this big empty desk, empty, and the things inside, the glass things, like had some few boxes, nothing. And then in the corner, way over there, way over there in the corner was some Christmas stuff, Christmas boxes of chocolate with Christmas bourbons. So I just walked out and called my friend and I was like, well, first of all, Christmas stuff isn't up front. <laughs> and second of all, I saw that there was a list of all the chocolates they sold but there was, they weren't all in the front. Like I kind of had to, I couldn't really see them. And like, it was just so obvious to me, like that these people were like just the simplest of things, right? <laughs> weren't being done. But to some people it's not obvious and it's not because they're dumb, right? It's just, that's not where, where your sharpest 
you know, skill set is, right? The best thing, Anna, is to surround yourself with people who will tell you this, if you don't already know, and or people who are willing to uh, help you change the channel. That's why I call it. I always need a catalyst. You know, I usually find that, you know, you know, there's just that phone call you don't want to take and you're just like, oh, God, and you might cancel and push it off. But every once in a while, my gut says, you know what, today's the day you're going to take this particular call because it might be the one that lights you up and I need to be lit up right now. That's another reason why I'm going big into storytelling. I feel like that's something I'm looking for. Inspiration to be lit up, right? That's something that everybody can offer as part of their content. And so I want to sort of like get into that a, a bit more because I think that that's a huge part of the human experience. Like we need inspiration. We need to know like what's happening with others that I don't know about, but that's like so interesting and that lights me up and now I have energy and I'm recharged. And that is such a big part of entrepreneurship. So thank you, Kate. We definitely hit on a lot of cool things on in this episode that I don't typically cover with others. I think that this one is really very human part of the product that you're building, right? It's AI, but it's also very human. And I connect with that and I connect with you very well on in this episode. So thanks for coming on here. If anybody wants to reach Kate, she's active on social media. You better believe that. So you can find Kate on LinkedIn, Kate Bradley, and I will post a link to that. And also find out more about Lately by going to lately.ai. Um, I'll also include the handle for Gary VTV in case people want to check that out. And then I'll also include a 60 second sneak peek into the tool. Uh, I think there's like a YouTube clip. So I'll include that in the show notes as well. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much, Anna. Love you. For listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Firminov, or go to my website, firminovmarketing.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.